Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harditz, and happy wildcard weekend. We got some injuries to talk about. I am joined today by none other than PFF's own Andrew Erickson. Andrew, how are you, my friend? I'm doing okay. Uh, we got the uh, the games coming up this weekend. My Patriots taking on the Bills in zero degree temperatures. I think it's actually going to be colder than that. So uh, I actually saw that the Bills are selling tickets to that game for like $30 now because they're just trying to get people <laughs> into the stadium because people are not going because it's so freaking cold there. So yeah, maybe we're going to look like Patriots fans are like, Road trip, like, let's go to Buffalo. <laughs> real quick on those weather updates we've been talking about all week. And I would encourage you all to continue to check that forecast up until kickoff. Basically, uh, only two games to really be worrying about. Patriots at the Bills. Obviously, that temperature is going to be right around five degrees at kickoff. You know, normally, yes, wind and rain far supersedes the cold. But, Andrew, that is pretty freaking cold. Probably worthy of a slight bump down the old projections. Also, with the Eagles at the Buccaneers. This is the one that is most interesting. Like, make sure you have, you know, okay, I know you guys will have Twitter up Sunday morning, but this could be the one where we just see a downpour, you know, at noon or something, because there is going to be a lot of rain. The question is if it is going to be arriving before Sunday or during the freaking game on Sunday. So there is going to be winds 15 and 20 miles per hour with gusts around 30 miles per hour. Andrew, usually we draw a line at that 20 mile per hour wind mark. So that is not ideal with the Eagles and Buccaneers, Raiders and Bengals, as well as Steelers and Chiefs, seem to mostly be fine, though. Bengals are, are going to be below freezing and 10, 15 mile per hour wind, both, you know, relatively not severe enough to worry too much. And then we got the Chiefs actually sitting there 36 degrees on Sunday night, just a 6% chance of precipitation. Other than the Eagles and Buccaneers, Andrew, are you making any too big of changes? So I guess it's Eagles, Buccaneers, and Patriots, Bills. Overall thoughts on the weather and kind of adjustments you've made to your fantasy strategy this week. Yeah, I think that, you know, the receivers for, especially like on the Patriots side, like, I don't know. I mean, the Bills have still have really good defense in terms of their pass defense, even without Tredavious White. The, there's just not like a big threat with Mac Jones under center, especially in the cold weather. Because he's like, like, you talk about the Patriots playing cold weather, like, that's fine. But like, Mac Jones doesn't have a lot of experience <laughs> playing cold weather. And the one game that he did play in cold weather, he threw the ball three times. So <laughs> it's not a very large sample size. And I do think that Josh Allen is still going to be fine. I think that, you know, it's just because he has the legs, like he's rushing. So I really don't think that his fantasy stock really takes a notch. It's just trying to figure out like, okay, like which of his receivers like catches his two touchdown passes that he throws. Like, because yeah. I don't think that there's going to be like any particular receiver that's going to get a ton of yardage. It's just really trying to hit on, okay, who catches the touchdown. So that kind of like, you know, Gabriel Davis, Dawson Knox are kind of the guys I lean towards. Whereas like, you know, this isn't a game where, like, Beasley's going to go out there and catch, like, t- eight passes. Like, his hands may not, like, function at that point where he's going to be able to catch so many balls. So I really think that you're trying to look for the touchdown upside, which you should be doing anyway in such a small slate because that's really what's going to decide things. So that's kind of it from the Bills and Patriots side. On the Bucks, Eagles, I-, I mean, I just like more and more and more like the Eagles attack and the-, and the potential for an upset here, at least for them to play well. And maybe they're to score. You look at the Buccaneers' last two games, They've been trailing. They trail behind the Panthers. They trail behind the Jets. Like, the Eagles can get a lead in this game. And then the weather is playing into their favor if the Brady and the Buccaneers have to keep throwing. So their defensive line can be disruptive. Obviously, the Buccaneers have a great offensive line, but that's how you beat Brady in the in the playoffs is you get him pressure up the middle. So, yeah, I'm just – I think that the Eagles are just a very good contrarian play in kind of across all types of betting 
and types of DFS this week. Last I saw him, eight and a half. I do like that number. They're daring. Like, usually, you know, you kind of see, you know, the magic numbers, three, six, and all that. But we're getting eight and a half. We got a couple games <laughs> of four this week. Like, they're not making it as hard uh, as we're usually seeing out there. So, we're going to get right now into the injury reports. It's a little bit different this week because there's only six games. We're just going to go team by team through this. Highlight a little bit more than just skill position players as well. So, big things to know from the Bengals and Raiders. Joe Burrow and T. Higgins, good to go. Burrow was practicing in full all week with the knee. T. Higgins was limited a few days with the foot injury, but neither has an injury designation. Same thing holds true for Josh Jacobs with his rib injury, Hunter Renfro with the hip, and Darren Waller with the knee. Each of those guys are perfectly fine. Only injury designations for the Bengals, their cornerback Jalen Davis. Backup, he's questionable with an ankle. Starting defensive tackle Josh Tupo is is doubtful, excuse me, with the knee injury, so that's not ideal against Josh Jacobs and company. And then only other guy is Stanley Morgan, backup wide receiver. Questionable with a hamstring. Hopefully Andrew, you know, huge consequences with this one, but hopefully Auden Tate gets activated before Saturday and is out there to be his and his rightful role as the NFL's single best number four wide receiver. But yeah, otherwise, Bengals are looking awfully healthy with no other injury designations. Just one guy on the Raiders defensive tackle, Jonathan Hankins, has an injury designation. He is questionable with a back and knee injury. He was able to gain a limited practice on Thursday, though, after not practicing on Tuesday and Wednesday. So would tentatively expect him to be out there again in addition to Jacobs Waller Renfro being good Denzel Perryman's fine Casey Hayward is fine everyone else on the Raiders is pretty good to go so Andrew at least in this one man nothing to really worry about here you know okay we want to have our full defense there but it's tough to you know make any meaningful fantasy takeaways or betting takeaways from just you know a single defensive tackle not being there save for Aaron Donald or someone like that yeah, I mean, both these teams are entering the game pretty healthy. I just think that from, you know, while we're kind of like talking on, you know, the subject of injuries, I think it's going to be interesting to see, you know, we talked about this Raiders defense and how they limit explosive plays. And, you know, we talk about the matchup in the trenches. Like, I think that's what everyone's been talking about. It's like, how do the Raiders win? You know, if Max Crosby and Dockway can get to Joe Burrow, it's kind of like the recipe for success. And I think that one thing that doesn't work in the Raiders' favor is in like the second half, like there's a chance that these guys could be gassed. You know, you look at how much they played last week um, going into overtime, you know, so many snaps and now they're going on the road again. Yeah. So yeah, we could see that pass rush potentially be there in the first half against Joe Burrow, you know, in the Bengals, but is it going to be there in the fourth quarter? Like that might be something to kind of keep in mind. You know, if you're into, um, you know, first, first half bets, second half betting, live betting, that's something I would keep in mind. Moving on, Bills, Patriots, Buffalo sitting absolutely pretty from the injury front. Emmanuel Sanders is going to be back practicing full all week with that knee injury. Does not have an injury designation. So it's looking like he'll probably be back to the starting receiver. Maybe we see more Gabe Davis than normal. Either way, you know, we just need to realize as much as we all want Gabriel Davis to have that full-time role, I would be very surprised to see Sanders just completely relegated to the bench. Maybe it's more of a situation like it is with Beasley and McKenzie right now where it's a little bit more of a split snaps than usual just don't expect davis to just all of a sudden be the full-on you know 80 percent starting wide receiver more questions are uh are on the horizon in new england where they have oh my god 
10, 12, 14, 15 questionable players, 13 of whom were simply limited all week and then listed as questionable. And these guys usually wind up being just fine. That group includes Damian Harris, center David Andrews, kicker Nick Falk, um, amongst other guys, and Jacoby Myers uh, with the thigh injury. All of them tentatively expecting them to be fine. Again, they've usually been on this list week after week after week. I know Harris like has had the hamstring thing flare up, but once again, like we, we get no tells from the Patriots on full practices any sort of thing throughout the week Andrew the only two guys that we actually know like could be hurt because they got uh, downgraded throughout the week starting left tackle Isaiah Wen who has been downgraded out with hip and ankle injuries as well as linebacker Jamie Collins who was a midweek addition with an ankle but did manage to get back on the field on Thursday so the big issue here Andrew is the presence of Wen you know there aren't a ton you know similar to defensive line I don't want to put too much stock in one offensive lineman being out with that said man Cowboys and Tyron Smith we've seen that kind of rear its head over the years and someone like Wen could also be of similar importance particularly considering who they're now going to have to put in to replace him yeah so Justin Herring is the guy that's most likely going to take over at left tackle they might move Trent Brown to left tackle so we'll kind of see how that shakes out but basically we saw we saw you know the Justin Herring audition earlier this season when Trent Brown was dealing with injuries and it was not good so he is pff's sixth worst graded pass blocking tackle this season and that's really what you're looking at like from a run blocking standpoint it doesn't really matter for tackles as much you're really just you're in there because you need to pass block like that's really what is more important at the tackle position so i wouldn't like dive into herring's you know run blocking grades really to be like oh no like damien harris like it, i don't really think that that matters but from a pass blocking perspective it's it's definitely a big downgrade going from Isaiah Wynn, who's been playing in every single game for the Patriots, except when he got hurt last week. Obviously, you saw Mac Jones struggle last week against a decent Dolphins front, and the Bills have a good pass rush. So this is not good for the New England Patriots passing game. Mac Jones, um, yeah, Bills DST looks even better now that they're missing their starting left tackle. So I think that's something to mention. I know that you talked about, you know, how I many questionable guys and two guys that I think aren't in, technically on the injury report because they are on the COVID list. So Jalen Mills and Sean Wade. Okay. So those are two guys that are cornerbacks. So Jalen Mills has been a starter for the Patriots, kind of working on the opposite side of J.C. Jackson. Miles Bryant works in the slot. So, I mean, Jalen Mills has not been, you know, this shutdown guy. He's definitely the inferior of the, the perimeter corners on the Patriots. But he's a lot better than, again, like the backup. Like, that's the thing. Like, your starter may not be that good, but when you go to the next guy, that's kind of what you're trying to weigh when you're looking at the situation. Justin Bethel, um, he's PFF's or he's the Patriots' worst graded cornerback, and his 2.31 yards per coverage snap rank last among all defensive backs playing on Wild Card Weekend. So it kind of brings it back to the point where J.C. Jackson is most likely going to be on digs, like we've seen most of the time, and that's a matchup that you know J.C. Jackson has been pretty solid in. Um, but now you have the question mark of you talked about Emmanuel Sanders being back for Gabriel Davis, Cole Beasley. Like Ian, are you? are you gravitating towards one of these ancillary guys? Like for me, it's still Davis. I know it sucks because Sanders is playing, but like he still has a role in the red zone and I just can't like, I can't bring myself to play Emmanuel Sanders like with money on the line, unless it's like an under on Emmanuel Sanders. So I still like buy with Davis. Obviously it's not as a smash play with Sanders back, but are you agree with me on that? 
Yeah, man, like in the article, you can all find a pff.com where I go over every team's best remaining playmaker. Like, ridiculous amount. I think it was over 200 qualified NFL players because only 25 touches are required. And Gabriel Davis was number one in playmaker rate because he's had like, I think it was 13 catches of 20 plus yards and already six touchdowns and only 35 catches this year. Like, he put up similar, like, ridiculous efficiency numbers as he did last year after all of us said there was no way he could do that again unless he got this, you know, much bigger role. So now I, I do think it's Davis and even with Sanders coming back, like you said, far from a guarantee, he'll have his usual role. And I mean, at this point, again, I don't think it's going to be the Gabriel Davis, just completely the one B to Stefan Diggs uh, show or anything like that. Uh, but I would say out of those other guys, it would be Davis for me. Maybe Dawson Knox. So Andrew, we were talking about in the DFS show, um, you know, these tight ends, this is the week I think to go heavy with those two tight end sets because, you know, just elsewhere across um, the slate as well as we'll kind of get into in Philly and Tampa, you know, some of these number two, number three receivers, if we have big questions about their playing time, don't be afraid to take just the number one tight end. That's probably going to be playing more. And if we know they already have some decent upside, like Knox has shown throughout the year, I don't hate going that route. Eagles, Buccaneers, Eagles sitting pretty healthy in this one. Their starting guard, Nate Herbig, is questionable with an ankle injury. He wasn't able to practice on Friday. Obviously, won't help the cause if he is not out there. They also got to worry about defensive end Josh Sweat, who hasn't been able to practice all week with an illness. Everyone else is good to go and does not have an injury designation, though. So that includes um, Miles Sanders with the broken hand. He's back in action. And Jalen Hurts with the ankle, good to go as well. Sanders is an interesting one, Andrew, because we saw him come back from injury a couple of weeks ago. We had seen Howard and Scott, you know, really start to build their own roles in the backfield. And even though they didn't, you know, completely hit the bench, Sanders still walked back in as the pretty, pretty clear cut lead number one running back in Philly. You know, for those playing DraftKings this week, there's all the running back value you could ever want. Like if this was a main slate, it'd be like probably illegal to actually put these uh, prices out there because we got Fournette at 5,900, Singletary 5,700, Mitchell 5,500, Hell Sony, Daryl Williams, they're all right there. But you can go even cheaper and get Miles Sanders at 5,100. Like, okay, if we're playing cash or something, no. Like, I, those guys deserve to have a higher projection. But, Andrew, I think Sanders, and again, we, we've discussed this, more DFS thoughts on the DFS podcast, but Sanders as a tournament play, man, we know he has a chance to get 20 touches like these other guys. We're all well aware he hasn't found the end zone this year, but maybe it takes a game in 2022 for Miles Sanders to finally get there. Always just one big play away. So, as far as tournaments go, man, I do like Miles Sanders, particularly considering all the value people will probably be going to just above him on the old DraftKings salary scale. Yeah, it's a new year, 2022, and it's a new opportunity for, for Miles Sanders to new find year, the end zone. Like, he's, he's so overdue for touchdown regression. If you, if you go to PFF's expected fantasy points model, it can kind of map out you know his expected touchdowns. Like He was supposed to score over four touchdowns this year just based on his Got usage, it. and he has scored none. Like Only Kyle Pitts basically kind of fell underneath that touchdown regression model. So you know, it really shouldn't be a surprise that if he does find the end zone here because we've talked about you know the Buccaneers kind of being a defense where they over pursue and they give up a lot of explosive run plays like that's miles sanders bread and butter like that's that's what he that's the only thing he's like really good at like he's not good at catching passes and considering he's like coming off a broken hand i do not imagine they're going to try to throw him the ball like whatsoever so you need the 100 yard rushing game and two touchdowns for him to be a tournament winning play and i really think that this is kind of set up that way so i love miles sanders as a really awesome tournament play as well 
with the Buccaneers. A few more injuries to worry about in their secondary. Both Carlton Davis with the back and Sean Murphy Bunting are questionable. Uh, Murphy Bunting is dealing with a hamstring. At least Murphy Bunting practiced all week in a limited fashion. Davis was a Friday edition limited, so that means he probably suffered the back injury on Friday. Certainly not ideal uh, when you're trying to play on Sunday. Mostly, uh, yeah, these uh, most of their other starters are going to be good to go. Ronald Jones has been ruled out with an ankle injury. Uh, we do have Cyril Grayson also ruled out with the hamstring injury. So backfield, I guess, is where it gets interesting. We have Rojo out. If Leonard Fournette and Giovanni Bernard are not able to return, they're both being called game time decisions, with Fournette being the most questionable of the game time decisions, just seeing how many freaking ways we can describe these guys. Uh, it was Bruce Arians' goal, I guess. But if Fournette and Gio remain on the IR, it would be Keyshawn Baum once again splitting with Le'Veon Bell. You would like to think if Fournette's back, it'll become his backfield. But Giovanni Bernard does seem to maybe have a better chance than uh, Fournette. This could be a situation where we see a slightly more split committee than we're used to. Andrew, you know, Fournette, I think, going into this week, if we knew we had a healthy Leonard Fournette and everything, might deserve to be the number one overall running back on the slate. With all these injuries, though, do you really want to risk it against an Eagles defense that I think should be pretty well aware of what's coming, given a lot of these weather issues in this game we've talked about? Well, I mean, you know, you know, Bruce Arians, you got to risk it for the biscuit, man. Yeah. Uh, you know, I would, I think in, you know, and this is kind of goes back to the game theory thing where depending on the slate you're playing. So on the Sunday only slate where you're going to know if Fournette's going to play, like he's not going to be as under roster. But if you play on the Saturday through Sunday slate, like Fournette will be so point. low rostered because people won't want to click the button on him knowing that they don't know if he's going to play, especially because it's it's up in the air. Like, we don't know if he's going to play. But because there's only two games and really you could just honestly just play guys playing on Sunday and on Monday and just put a Fortnite in your lineup and then switch off of him, um, you know, if he ends up not playing. I think there is an advantage to just taking, you know, your lineup and having Fortnite in it and then just pivoting off of him, you know, w when news ends up breaking. Because they do play at one on Sunday, so it's the first game, so you'll only miss out on those two Saturday games. So it's like... Like, I really like Joe Mixon on the Saturday slate, but, you know, I'm fine if I don't play Jacobs or Harris or Singletary. If I don't play those guys, you know, I have Fournette in there. Like, okay, well, if Fournette's not going to play, I got to pivot to Elijah Mitchell or one of these other running backs. So you can work around it. Um, but, I mean, if he is out there, I mean, it's just such a good role that he has in his offense. Like, if he is the early down receiving back. I would say similar uh, idea with Chase Edmonds because yeah. Edmonds is on the right side of questionable in the game time decision. James Conner hasn't practiced this week. So put Edmonds in if you're playing Saturday to Monday, and then you can easily pivot, you know, the Sonny Michelle or whoever. There's so, so much pricing flexibility. Like you might as well take a chance on these guys that we don't know as much about um, if you're going to be rostering earlier in the week. Also uh, with the wide receiver room, I mentioned Cyril Grayson being out with the hamstring. Mike Evans is good to go. Last week, Cyril got hurt really early in that game, and that ended up meaning Brashad Perryman came in to work as the lead outside receiver. So expecting Evans, Perryman, and Tyler Johnson in three wide receiver sets. Probably see a little bit of Jalen Darden, maybe some Scotty Miller here and there. More than anything, though, Andrew, it should just be a funnel to Mike Evans and Rob Gronkowski. Wasn't uh was Evans one of your player props this week? Yeah, I like the under on, on Mike Evans. I think he was at like 76 and a half okay. or something like that. That is pretty so high. It's yeah. pretty high, especially because he's not, he just hasn't been like a target monster. Like it's been the touchdowns. I know he had, he got the over last week, but um, it's still like pretty high, especially if it's going to be like inclement weather with rain yep. and wind. 
know, he's not necessarily, he's not like a possession receiver, really. He, he makes big plays and scores touchdowns. Um, also, I guess keep an eye out for uh, John Brown, baby. Smokey, yeah, Smokey's back. With, with, it's, it's so funny that they signed him because I think I was talking about this on like the Sirius XM show. I mentioned like, you know, all the injuries to the Bucks receivers. Like, why don't they just sign John Brown? Like, he's out there. Like, he hasn't Bruce played, like, all, found like, him in the first place. <laughs> yeah, mean. exactly. It's like, why don't they just sign this guy? You know, he doesn't have like any off field issues. I mean, he should be healthy and he hasn't really played that much this year. I know he's been on like, 12 you know two or three different practice squads yeah, he was like raiders bronco i think he was on the jaguars for a little bit so he's kind of bounced around which is just kind of weird for a guy that you know just last year was a pretty effective wide receiver and i mean i know the bills got out and got emmanuel sanders but i mean sanders has kind of really cooled off since his hot start to the season he's also dealing with injuries as well so I mean, John Brown, hey, man, like, don't – never say never. If Brady's like, I like this guy, then he's going to be on the field. So, yeah, I do think, though, Perryman, you know, he clearly played over Scotty. Like, I don't know what happened with Scotty Miller. Like, it seemed like you know, last year he played, like, a lot. And this year they're just like, nah, like, we're going to just use, like, literally everybody else. Maybe, come, maybe he never got right coming back from that hamstring. That's the only thing I can think of. Well, I mean, he, he looked fine, like, ripping off, like, these wide receiver reverses for touchdowns last <laughs> week when uh, Gabbert was in the game. So – um but yeah it's, it's definitely perryman you know he's he's, he's a pretty uh cheap receiver but again the double tight end thing i think makes a lot of sense you know when we were talking about value receivers i was like there's like none that i really want to play right. this week uh especially you know we're, we're, as we'll talk about it too we might even lose another uh value receiver when we talk about the steelers yeah it's like take a number three or number four receiver on these offenses or get Ertz of 4700 goddard 4500 fryer 4200 tyler higby hunter henry like weirder things have happened man so yeah two tight ends all day every day this weekend cowboys and the 49ers still haven't got the official final injury reports for these guys we're recording at 4 30 here on this lovely friday afternoon things look pretty clear though trent williams who was not able to play an 18 with that elbow injury already we are hearing that he is going to be out there man to return to practice this week and he is firmly expected to play same thing goes with elijah mitchell still managing that knee injury but kyle shanahan said he is good to go same boat as last week so the rest of the 49ers i mean jimmy g still has the right thumb issue but he was practicing in full on thursday everyone else on the 49ers was able to practice i mean basically some other guys got some rest on wednesday but this is a pretty healthy 49ers team coming in and the same thing goes for the cowboys i mean mike mccarthy straight up said today they are at 100 nobody's in the COVID protocol tony pollard came back and was practicing in full tyron smith opened up the week and was able to practice the cowboys look healthy and ready to go this is a great matchup Andrew, I do think, uh, you know, the 49ers have what it takes to basically just run all over the Cowboys. They're going to need to get up, though. And if they can get up early and all of a sudden let Parsons, Gregory, and Lawrence, you know, get after, let's face it, a not very mobile Jimmy G, I do think that is the biggest path to success. So any uh, player props you have for the people with this one? Because, again, not too much uh, concern we have here on the injury front. Well, okay, he, he's mobile enough to get over one and a half rushing yards, as we talked <laughs> I about. I like that so, one, yeah. <laughs> So just to kind of like, you know, sprinkle it on a little bit more. So again, the PFF player prop tool loves the Jimmy G over one and a half rushing yards. So he's actually hit this in six of his last eight road games. So looking at when they're playing on the road, you know, he's been rushing a little bit more. And, you know, again, you know, rushing for two yards. It's, it's still more than zero or negative yardage. And it also means that he's not kneeling at the end of games because they're not winning as much on the road. He's also hit that line on three of his last four games. So I do like that. And. I just like the receiver overs from the 49ers side. I think Debo's has gone down because I think people are just kind of like throwing their hands up being like, 
oh, what if he like you know rushes for x amount of carries it's like dude it doesn't like i have played like i feel like i've played like zero debo and dfs all year and it's just because like he never like projects really well because you're like oh like he's everything's like unsustainable and it's just like one of those guys and you're just like well 30 points again from debo like what do you like who's gonna like how are they gonna stop him like they can't they can't it's not like they can put like digs on him and it's not like digs is even like a good cornerback matchup against debo Samuel because of the style of play it's like right. you can't put it's like when the rams play the, the 49ers like you don't just stick ramsey on debo like it doesn't work that way like, okay so if he's in the backfield like what do you do like <laughs> that, that doesn't work so put ramsey at middle linebacker <laughs> like so i think debo samuel he's at 57 and a half his line has actually gone down he's at 16 and a half i took the over of that and i took the over again you know if, if lines move in the other direction I'm, I'm all in i'm just like whatever i'm just gonna keep going and keep betting it um, if I'm going against the market, so going against the market, Debo over and then um, George Kittle's his line is just too low too. 47 and a yeah. half receiving yards. Now, if he goes over this, it's probably going to be because he gets like 100 receiving yards. He's been very boomer bust, but we just, it's just a good matchup for him. The Cowboys, their their weakness is yards after the catch, and that's what just George Kittle does the the best from the Cowboys side. I think I do like the overs on some of the passing yardage. So Dak, wherever you can find it at prize picks, the 272 and a half. I know I've seen it as high as 290 in a lot of different places. So you're just looking for the lowest number to go over on. The 49ers are kind of a pass funnel defense. And really, I don't think we've, we've seen this Cowboys offense at times just abandon the run game if it's not working. Yeah. And I, I really, really don't think it's going to work in this matchup. And I think that the guys I like the most, Cedric Wilson's receiving line is pretty low, like 40. And then I think I'm going to lean towards Cooper. Like, I'm like tossing my hands up trying to figure out between Lamb and Cooper. But ever since Cooper had that game or talked about how he needs more options, he needs more red zone targets, his target share has been higher than CeeDee Lamb's. And the 49ers' weakness is really kind of like on the perimeter. And like, it's that cornerback room, yeah. Yeah. So I think Cooper. I think Cooper is kind of still Dak's guy to an extent. I think that Cooper probably shows up a little bit more than CD Lamb does. Now, it really could be a toss-up between the two, but if I had to bet on one, I think Cooper, for some reason, just gets, you know, the wide receiver two designation. Like, his, like, receiving props are, like, always a little bit lower than Lamb. So, I just, you know, I'll take the value with taking it with Cooper and the over there. And I mentioned things about Jimmy G as well. So last week, we know we saw him suck in the first half. So it's like, oh my God, like what's going on? And then he got an injection and then he turned it on. So they know that going in. So that it's a much higher probability that they do get a lead in this game because he's going to get the injection to start the game, not <laughs> after they're down 17 to nothing. So yeah, there's a scenario where you see them feeding Elijah Mitchell uh, throughout this game. I love how like the storyline after that game too was like, oh, like people thought Jimmy G shouldn't have been starting this season. It's like, We've always known like Jimmy G can do this. He got them within a freaking better ball away from taking the lead against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. But like, what do you guys take Trey Lance for then? Like, I just yeah, lit a lit a fire <sighs> under Jimmy G. <laughs> I thought we were really chasing a bigger ceiling here. We were well aware with Jimmy G, but like, if you're just gonna roll with that, then you know it is what it is. Uh, one injury though uh, that we do need to keep a slight eye on if Muhammad Sanu will get activated. It's look. I, I don't think Jawan Jennings is a great play here, even if Sanu doesn't. I mean, you guys heard Kyle. We said that Jennings is playing like 90% of the time blacked out out there or whatever the hell the exact verbiage was. So, yeah, it seems like that could be the sort of, you know, young player that does get replaced in a must-win game by a veteran.
veteran like Muhammad Sanu who's been playing with Shanahan for so many years. So just be careful if you do have, you know, some shares to Jennings and DraftKings or player props. If you do see Sanu get activated off IR, I would expect him to, again, maybe not completely take over the role, but at a minimum split it and hurt the chances that you thought you were going to work with. But as Andrew said, maybe just maybe Jimmy G can get that over one and a half rushing yards. One of our top player prop values that you can find with our player prop tool at PFF. You can get 25, almost said 70, but 25 still pretty good. 25% off any PFF subscription if you use code FANTASY. All locked article content, our NFL fantasy playoff ranks, our betting dashboards, NFL draft guide, and so much more. Again, support the pod and use promo code FANTASY for 25% off any sub. Also invite you, if you want to go make some money on the playoffs via betting, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code PFF and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. You can bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code PFF. This wildcard weekend at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. And yeah, people, if you're going to do this, like, please bet on the Chiefs. Like, come on. They're 12. We get these promos from DraftKings sometime, man. Like, I remember one time it was for... Uh, a UFC fight, and it was like Kamaru Usman, who's been a freaking world beater at 170. He was like a minus 400 favorite, and the ad was just like, oh, yeah, pick you know one of these two guys. So I was telling everyone, like, pick Usman, and afterwards, everyone's like, oh, good, good job being on that pick. I was like, no, this is a huge favorite. Pick the huge favorite if they're going to give you even odds on this type of thing. Like, you see that in the freaking Twitter mentions sometimes, man. It's like, oh, um, I saw, I don't know why I was looking at these trolls, but I was, and it was uh, just this uh, Chief Steelers thing and someone's like oh i think the steelers have a chance like you want to freaking bet straight up and it's like that's not how this works sometimes so bet, like, sure <laughs> bet on the chiefs for this one and again you can get five dollars to win 280 courtesy of our friends at DraftKings sportsbook just know it must be 21 or older new jersey and denver pennsylvania only new customers only minimum five dollar deposit one dollar wager one per customer restrictions apply see draftkings.com sportsbook for details if you have a gambling problem don't call me call 1-800-GAMBLER and finally everyone want to give a shout out to our friends over at Manscaped. They're offering code PFF for 20% off and free shipping. Set your first New Year's resolution with good intentions and join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com and use promo code PFF for 20% off free shipping. That's 20% off with free shipping off manscaped.com and use code PFF. It's New Year, no pubes in 2022 with Manscaped. Finally, thank you to our friends over at Western and Southern, always setting us up for financial success, and they have a great offer for you. They will cover your catering up to $2,500, coordinating your order from a restaurant near you, and have it delivered on the day of the big game, February 13th, 2022. You can submit your questions for Chris Collinsworth at westernsouthern.com slash feast. One more time, that is westernsouthern.com slash feast. If you're watching on YouTube, check out the link in the description below. And remember, Western and Southern, you can rest assured on game day. Chiefs, Steelers, Andrew, not too much to worry about here. We already had Clyde Edwards-Hilaire get ruled out. Daryl Williams is technically uh, listed as questionable, I believe, with the toe injury, but Andy Reid has already come out and said that, barring anything, um, his, his exact, exact quote was, unless something happens, Daryl Williams and Tyreek Hill will be out there. Tyreek especially doesn't even have an injury designation. He was able to practice in full on Friday after being downgraded to limited on Thursday. As we've seen without Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Daryl really does take over the backfield. I do think, think we'll 
do think we'll still see a little bit of Derek Gore and Jarek McKinnon, but Daryl is as good of any as good of a play as any of those running backs in that mid 5K range on DraftKings. Pittsburgh, only thing to worry about is with running back Najee Harris. He's officially a game time decision. Listed as questionable with the elbow, although he did practice in full on Friday. So it does seem like something he should be gutting out. We'll also see if that's the case with Juju Smith-Schuster, who just started his practice window. And per the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, he is, quote-unquote, healthy enough to play in the wild-card round. But he is unlikely to be activated. So I I don't know. He's healthy enough, but he's not going to be activated. Stay tuned. We'll see what happens with Juju. Obviously, Ray-Ray McLeod is not going to be a viable DFS option. If Juju returns, I would be, you know, nervous about trusting Juju in this spot, though. I mean, really, over the past two years... The big problem with Juju has been he hasn't been the same just explosive dude after the catch that we saw as a rookie and in the second year. Like, I understand not having Antonio Brown out there to pull away coverage hurts. But, like, Andrew, you've watched Juju. We have not seen that guy that was running away from the Patriots for, like, 70 yards as a rookie for two or three years. Like, he's just been playing through one injury after another. And if we don't have Juju with a healthy body and ability to pick up Yak, I just don't think he is worth someone worth chasing in DFS or player props. So, again, Tyreek, Daryl, should be good to go keep an eye on Najee and Juju any overall thoughts on these Andrew yeah I looked at Juju's game logs through the first four weeks of the season he averaged 32 receiving yards and under four receptions per game playing in this big Ben you know air raid offense <laughs> horizontal raid <laughs> I don't even know if it's like as long like if it even goes horizontal it's really just like two two or Backwards. three yards <laughs> it's not it's its own shape but the thing with Juju is like the thing that sucks about him is actually, you know, Ray Ray was kind of like at least a somewhat of like a punt play we could like turn to because the guy has been seeing double digit targets like over the last couple of weeks. And, you know, Big Ben is going to probably throw the ball like 40 times in this game. So you at least had some semblance of, OK, like we can, if I need a punt play to open up salary for other players, I can use Ray Ray as a guy. But if Juju's back, then I mean, we've seen Mike Tomlin have these weird rotations at wide receiver, even with Chase Claypool, like running behind Ray Ray McLeod. So it's like. It's really like Deontay Johnson is like the only receiver you can really play with any type of confidence, and that's just hoping that Deontay Johnson catches like 10 balls for 60 yards and somehow scores a touchdown. Uh, but don't sleep on Deontay, as he tweeted out earlier today. It's like my like, it's like my most favorite tweet. You know, someone I just retweeted a professional football player. <laughs> so um, that's kind of the thing with with Juju. Um, do you think that Daryl coming back from the injury? Do you think we see more? Because like the last time we saw him, he was like full. 80% snap share, bell cow, then he got hurt in the next game. Do we see more of McKinnon and slash or Derek Gore in your opinion? Is Are those guys interesting at all? I mean, obviously, if Daryl Williams is ruled out, then okay. I mean, Derek Gore makes so much sense from a game script standpoint that, you know, if they're up on this team, like Derek Gore is clearly the guy they would use in like garbage time when they're trying to pick up yeah. rushing earth. McKinnon's more of the pass catching back, so I don't know if they would use him as much. Or the fact that Daryl Williams is entering this game injured at all, do they lean on Derek Gore more as like the in-between the grinder kind of running back? I would Gore, I always feel like we're kind of just projecting what we want to happen. I mean, last week, mm. okay, he didn't have a he had one target, seven carries, but like it's not like McKinnon is this like Giovanni Bernard type guy where they just like refuse to give him any sort of carries. I mean, didn't McKinnon himself have like five rush attempts? So I think it on yeah, it was five, five rush attempts for McKinnon, seven for Gore last week. 
I'd honestly probably lean towards McKinnon because even if the game script isn't going to work out that way, like McKinnon's going to be the guy out there on third downs and getting the opportunities that they do want going to the running backs in the passing game. With that said, it does sound like Daryl is going to be out there. And even if he's not going to be playing the 80% role, he should still be the league guy. But it's enough reason, Andrew, to again, I think, just go down to Miles Sanders, um, you know, in tournaments. Like Miles Sanders and Chase Edmonds, man, if they're going to be uh, bringing up the rear and some of these ownership projections, I will gladly pay up a wide receiver and just get some of these other running backs. I mean, again, to have all of these running backs available, you know, looking at 20 plus touches or so, I'm kind of trying to avoid that super chalky middle area, either go really high or much lower. Last one, Rams and 49ers. Nothing too much to worry about here. It's uh, coming up on Monday, at least from the Rams side of things. Um, Taylor Rapp, their safety, is not practicing with a concussion. And we also have Leonard Floyd not practicing with a back injury. That's it, though. Everyone else was out there. Van Jefferson listed with a shoulder, but he was practicing in full. Same thing with Stafford and the toe. And their cornerback, Darius Williams, with his shoulder should be out there and good to go. So maybe we see Cam Akers take on a little bit larger role, but it does seem like Sony Michelle has probably earned the right to be their starting running back here throughout the playoffs. I think the more interesting scenario is what's going on with Arizona. James Conner, being called a game-time decision, he could probably be on his deathbed next to Kyle Shanahan, and Shanny would call him a game-time decision the way he freaking goes about this uh, with the ribs injury and the fact that he didn't practice on Friday, so he doesn't seem to bug well for Monday night. Chase Edmonds also being called a game-time decision, but he is at least practicing through the rib and toe injury, and he is confident that he'll be playing. Also got to look at Rondale Moore. Uh, hasn't been playing recently, but he was at least practicing with an ankle injury to start the week. So there are some other guys that are banged up. You know, defensive end Zach Allen with an ankle, um, and we also have cornerback Antonio Hamilton chalking up with a tooth injury. That's unfortunate, bro. Oh, yeah. I've never uh, seen that. I was like, what is this? That's not ideal. DMP tooth. Hate to see that. Uh, but most of the other you know, key contributors that you would want to worry about are either not listening on the injury report or at least practicing in a limited fashion. So, Andrew, like I, again, I think the big just takeaway from both sides of this injury report is what's going on in the running back room. So, maybe, it seems like, alright, here's the one thing, though. If you really wanted to look at backup running back to maybe take a chance on it could be Eno Benjamin man because we know for a fact that Edmonds and Connor are playing at less than 100% and it's six games like if there was going to be something crazy to happen and you want to bet on a running back having an elevated workload I'd probably rather throw a dart at Eno versus like Derek Gore or something I wouldn't feel good about it but I'm just saying I don't necessarily expect Edmonds or Connor if he's able to get out there to have their usual workload with that said if there is going to be no no Connor Chase Edmonds is someone that really is going to rise up the ranks fast. Yeah, I mean, I think that Edmonds is someone I would be willing to hold on to, you know, if I'm playing the full six games, I'm just going to have him in my lineup. And then again, if it, if it's not playing, Connor's not playing, then you just throw it, you know, Benjamin, and you just hope for the best. And at that point, you're going to know like what your lineup's done anyway, because you're going to have so many guys that played. So it really won't even make a difference. But if you, you know, are kind of like teetering on winning a tournament, and you have Edmonds like left in your lineup, like I would feel really good about that heading into the Monday night game. And that'd be at, that actually be that'd be a nice sweat to have, you know, watching Chase Edmonds go out there. And if you look at how Ed, Edmonds rushed for over 100 yards the first time he played the Rams, and then the second time he, he played the Rams, he was inactive. But James Conner had a monster game. He had almost 100 receiving yards. So clearly, there are paths where a Cardinals running back has a monster game. And just looking at the skill set that Edmonds has as a receiver, he fits it so well. And and the fact that they're both game time decisions, even though one of them is practicing and one of them is not, like clearly like denotes that they're not like actually like like being viewed similarly by the coaching staff. So I honestly don't think Connor plays. And even if he does play, I think it's really like he's 
playing or he's like active, but like, dude, it's like a rib injury thing. And they yeah. kept Edmonds out last week. They really wanted to win last week's game and they didn't end it up. So I just think that, you know, with the rib injury thing, like, you know, you could see it rewatching that game. Like he was like grabbing his rib, like grimacing with pain. And it was the exact same thing we saw from Edmonds like the week before then, because it was the same type of injury. It's like the dude can only do so much, like, but every time he gets popped in the ribs, like he feels like his lungs are going to explode. It's like, well, like what, like what else are you going to do? You can't like force him out there. If he's like, I'm not hundred percent, like, please use something like use Edmonds, like use, you know, like they're going to be more effective than I am. It's not like they're like put him out there just so he can score like his 20th touchdown of the year. Like, it doesn't make any sense uh, for them to do that. So I, I count me all in on Chase Edmonds, count me all out on James Conner. I think that taking stands right now, you know, while you're building your DFS lineups, while you're, drafting some of these playoff teams just like take a stand and yeah. if you're right okay then you'll pay off but if you're wrong okay well then you probably weren't going to win anyway so I, it's it, and I, you talk about this too like during the offseason it's like you're doing a projection that says Taysom Hill plays half the snaps James Winston plays half the snaps which ironically did kind of work out that way <laughs> but like that doesn't help anybody like no. we need to take a stand all right this is going to be the starter this is who you should draft um as opposed to you know kind of splitting or hedging where it really doesn't help you out ultimately make a decision we'll get to more offseason goodness in a few weeks but moving forward we will continue to be attacking these playoff slates with reckless abandon tuesday episodes going over what just happened wednesday episodes previewing what's happening next dfs and then back with injuries on friday andrew myself and Dwayne mcfarland when he is not taking his kiddos to the movies so andrew anything else you want to grab your chest my friend yeah, uh, one last thing that we just didn't – I don't know if we covered it, but the Rams – so Jordan Fuller, their starting safety, is out, and they signed Eric Weddle. Saw that. So who hasn't played football in like two years and has played on the Rams before and has played with Sean McVay but has never played in this particular defensive scheme. So, I mean, like Zach Ertz, it, like – I, I like there's like so many reasons why you should play Zach Ertz. You know, he's the highest targeted receiver. You have yeah. a new safety that could potentially be covering him that hasn't played football. Like I remember Eric Weddle was like famous because every time that they won a game, he would eat like a, a whole pint of Ben and Jerry's or whatever. <laughs> like, what do you think this dude's been doing in retirement, <laughs> man? Like he's been just like pounding the, the Ben and Jerry's ice cream. So I think Zach Ertz is probably in a good advantage here. And maybe you see some broken coverages. So Christian Kirk gets loose downfield. And Kirk had a bad game last week, but you know, Kirk, kind of been their big play guy i know aj green you know sometimes he makes plays sometimes he doesn't but i mean christian kirk especially because he busted last week as chalk yeah. in you know kind of like the normal dfs play i think people may be you know looking to shy away um but yeah you could see a broken play you could see kirk get open uh downfield Kyler, Kirk, and Ertz makes all the sense in the world. As you as you said, Ertz, number one target in the post-Hopkins injury offense. Um, Kirk's number two. Looking at the Rams, I mean, they're actually number 10 in yards per temp allowed to receivers lined up out wide. 22nd in the slot, though, and 24th to inline targets. So everything looking good for Kirk and Ertz. Good stuff, Andrew. Good stuff, all you listeners out there. Preach, appreciate you all, as always. For Andrew, I'm Ian. Until next time, take care, everybody.